Today on Let the Bible Speak. The Christian is expected to be faithful to Christ in order to receive the crown of life, according to Revelation 2 and verse 10. But how do we do that? Today we talk about eight steps to a faithful life. Welcome. It's great to be with you to study the Bible and proclaim God's Word. Thanks for joining us. Does living the Christian life seem overwhelming to you? Do you think it is impossible to be faithful to Christ and to see it through for the rest of your life? After all, that's what true discipleship really looks like, but how can that be done? Well, the short answer is only by the Lord's strength and help. But what about my responsibility to Christ? You know, many have given up on trying to live the Christian life because of past failures. Maybe they have stumbled and fallen time and time again. But it is possible to faithfully live the Christian life, to follow Jesus, to grow in grace and knowledge, and to become spiritually mature and stable and remain faithful until death. I want to share some insight with you from the Word of God today that I think will encourage you to follow Jesus and know that you can follow Him and never turn back. Let's read together from 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. He writes, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about what Peter says. If you do these things, you will not be barren or unfruitful, nor will you ever stumble. That is, you'll never stumble into sin and ultimately perdition if you follow this pathway to perfection. Not sinless perfection, but completeness and maturity and strength and stability in Christ Jesus. Would you like for your life to look that way? Well, I will guarantee you today that if you, as Peter said, truly do the things he tells us, you can certainly live the Christian life The title of our lesson today is going to be One Step at a Time. 
And I'll return with that after a song. Christ with a building to In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter lists what we often call the Christian graces or Christian virtues. Now, they're much more than platitudinous suggestions or some high lofty ideal. They are the practical path to the kind of perfection that Christ desires us to eventually have in our life as we grow in grace. By perfection, I mean what the Bible means by that term, maturity or completeness. He says that if these characteristics abound in our lives, we will never fall, but rather, we will not only finish the Christian life, but do so in abundance and joy and victory. You know, many people are afraid to become a Christian because they fear they won't be able to live the Christian life to start with. Others who have been baptized are discouraged or they are apathetic. They see no need to really live the Christian life because they, as Peter suggests, are spiritually blind and have forgotten that they were at one time purged from their sins. Or they simply have felt overwhelmed and intimidated or because of some past failure have given up on living the Christian life. But friend, not only must the Christian life be pursued and faithfully lived if we are to reap the reward in the after a while, the Christian life can be lived with faith in Jesus as a foundation and with Jesus as our strength and our guide and with a strong desire and diligent work this life can be abundantly lived now and we can uh, enjoy the abundance and the reap the rewards of living the Christian life all the way to heaven. You know, one of the reasons that many founder and fail is because they don't move beyond the beginning. And they don't pursue the things that Peter specifically lists in this wonderful passage. And if you'll stop and think about what the Apostle Peter is telling us here, faithfulness and fruitfulness 
can both be attained by any Christian. It is if we fail to continue adding these characteristics to our life that we will stumble into sin and ultimately fall completely by the wayside and into eternal perdition. Now, first of all, we must see Peter's words as a warning. Peter is shoring up the believers to whom he is writing against the attacks of false teachers and their Gnostic doctrines which would lead them away from the true knowledge of God. There are many people today who would tell you that it is impossible for a Christian to fall from grace and be lost. But Peter rather plainly warns that such is possible. In fact, beginning in verse 8, he says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was purged or cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, notice the word if. That makes the promise he offers conditional. If you do these things. Literally that saying, if you are doing these things, you will not fall. And he says, be diligent. That's an imperative verb, which means habitually putting effort into the matter. That if we day by day diligently keep adding these things to our life, we will not stumble. We will not fall away. We will be sure-footed and keep climbing toward the goal. But if we fail to do so, we cannot expect to reap the reward at the end. Now, while Peter is warning that it is possible to fall away and fail to enter heaven, uh, although this passage does not teach eternal security as it is set forth by many religious bodies today, it does teach, on the other hand, what we might call the security of the believer. And there is a difference. By that I mean Peter outlines the pathway of growth in such a way that if it is followed, the believer can see it through. He can thrive in living for Jesus. By daily supplying these characteristics to his or her faith, that person will move from one level of maturity to the next until reaching the goal. And the key to it is following the plan that Peter lays out one step at a time. And I can promise you, based upon the authority of the Word of God, that if you have doubts as to whether you can live the Christian life, you can. By God's power and strength, you can. And you can live it triumphantly, and you can live it victoriously if you sequentially follow the path that Peter lays out here by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, in verse 5, Peter says, With all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, that can also be translated more clearly. In your faith, supply moral excellence. Now, notice that Peter says it all begins with faith. This is the kind of faith that one places in Christ to save him. That faith is a foundation for not only salvation, but for the Christian life going forward. And that faith is consequently a very simple and straightforward thing. It means simply to obediently trust Christ. It's not just a mental assent. It's not just agreeing to some fact. It has larger implications than that. It is to obediently trust Christ. Now, that's the kind of faith that we must have in order to be saved. That's saving faith. Now, that faith may not know a whole lot. That faith may not have a very deep 
understanding. But here's the key. It believes what it knows. It trusts what it knows. In other words, that faith may simply consist of the basic knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. Through Him our sins can be forgiven by God. But that profound fact is a foundation upon which everything else is built. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means that faith is our ground or confidence in the things we cannot see and the promises we have not yet received. And verse 6 goes on to say that without such faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now when we obey the gospel, we do so with a very rudimentary and simple trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. People don't usually come to Christ with extensive knowledge. Most come to Jesus with a very rudimentary knowledge. But what you must resolve to do is to believe and trust what you do know and be committed to learn more. If you are willing to place your faith in Christ to unconditionally follow Him, that's a critical foundation. And on that foundation you can begin the Christian life because everything that will come after is built upon that kind of faith as a foundation. But notice again in verse 5 that with that faith as a foundation, Peter says we must begin adding things in the order that he names them. Now the word add there really means to bring alongside. And not only to bring it alongside the faith that is already there, but to heap it up in abundance. In other words, to lavishly supply the thing that he mentions alongside your faith. That's the idea. Now he says, to our faith we are to add virtue, or we could say moral excellence. And by this Peter means that we are to have the moral excellence or virtue to do what we know by faith to do. Now again, we may not know very much when we come to Christ. But virtue means we eagerly do the things that we do know to do. And that's the question put before all of us. Are you doing what you know to do? There may be things that you don't understand. There are things I don't understand. We grow in our knowledge uh, all the way through our life. But are you doing what you do know to do? You know, ironically, some fail to do what they know to do because they're afraid they're not doing what they don't know to do. You know, we've run ahead of ourselves, in other words, and we, we become intimidated and overwhelmed at the prospect of a Christian life because of maybe the unknown before us. Peter says, what you need to worry about now is doing what you know to do. Start there. For example, Peter said to those on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now do you think that all of those people had degrees in theology and knew all of the deep truths of redemption and all of the things that implied in sanctification? Do you think the 3,000 who obeyed the gospel in baptism that day understood even a portion of the things that they would learn even in the few days to follow? Well, of course not. But the Bible says in verse 41 that those who gladly received Peter's word were baptized and were added to the number of the disciples. In other words, they immediately did what they now knew through the preaching of the gospel that they were supposed to do. That's the kind of virtue that Peter is referring to. You may believe, but you fail to step out and be baptized to have your sins forgiven when that's what the Bible tells you to do. And you may be waiting because of all the things you don't know. Friend, you need to stop waiting and do what Christ has commanded you to do because look at what comes next. He says, add to your faith virtue 
and to virtue, knowledge. Now, of course, you must know something to have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, verse 17. But the knowledge that Peter speaks of in this passage is the knowledge that grows. It is the ongoing attainment of knowledge that grows wider and deeper as time goes on. Now, I've met people who haven't even got past baptism because they don't understand the book of Revelation. In other words, uh, you sit across a kitchen table from them and study about their soul and about salvation and what it means to enter into the church of the Lord, and they want to spend time learning about prophecy or about deeper church doctrine. I have sat across kitchen tables from people who couldn't, you couldn't even get them to stop and think about what they must do to be saved because they want to know what the mark of the beast is, or they want to understand Daniel's 70 weeks, or Ezekiel's vision of the wheel, or they merely claim that because they can't understand the Bible, they're not ready to be baptized. Friend, Jesus said in Matthew 25 and verse 29, For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. You can't expect a deep knowledge of the Bible until you have the faith and virtue to take care of the simple things that you do understand first. But when you have the diligence to do what you do understand, then and only then will your understanding be open to more. That's the principle. So don't make the mistake of failing to obey what you know to do because of things you don't know. Add to your faith virtue, and then you can begin adding knowledge, that is, growing in the knowledge of Christ. And as time, goes by, your, as time goes by, your knowledge will grow deeper and deeper as you continue putting into practice what you learn as you grow in the Christian faith. Don't get the cart before the horse. And then in verse 6, he says, add to your knowledge self-control. Now, self-control is often a real challenge for the new Christian. That's because the temptations of the old life quickly rear their head and the old appetites pull against us. But you see, by adding to faith obedience and to our obedience, the ongoing and growing knowledge of Christ, as we grow in the knowledge of Christ, it will become easier to control our passions and to restrain ourselves from those works of the flesh. Now, we must resolve to do that from the very beginning. But what I'm saying is it becomes easier for us to do so as we grow into the knowledge that we are continuing to put into practice as we acquire it. Remember Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 18 that as we look into the Word of God, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, when we grow in our knowledge of Christ, we will consequently grow into the likeness of Christ. Did you know that it's pointless to talk to a sinner about self-control. Romans chapter 6 illustrates that until one dies in his spirit to sin, sin will reign in that person's mortal body. That's why you can't be saved by trying to clean up your life. You have to yield to Christ in gospel obedience, and then by His power and the power of His Word, He can clean up your life. That's why Peter says that temperance or self-control comes after faith, virtue, and knowledge. And then he says, add to your self-control patience or perseverance. Self-control is not something one just practices once or once in a while. It becomes a way of life. First, one resolves to be pure. Then comes the difficult work of controlling our mind and body, bringing it under subjection to remain pure. Until finally, you see, 
self-control becomes more and more a way of life for the maturing Christian. It becomes more and more a part of second nature. It becomes easier, in other words, to restrain ourselves from evil. Like a person who goes on a diet. You know, it requires more diligence at the first, but as it becomes a habit or a lifestyle, once you have broken through that barrier, the temptation lessens. And it becomes more natural to us to control our desires and impulses. And then in verse 7, he says, to perseverance we are to add godliness. Now, back in verse 3, Peter said that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, He has given us a way to reach this state of godliness or godlikeness, and that is through adding these graces to our life. As we add to our faith virtue, obedience, and after virtue comes increasing and deeper knowledge, and to this knowledge is added restraint or self-control, and this self-control becomes more second nature to us, in the process of all of this, something is occurring. We are becoming more and more like God in our character and in our way of life. We are becoming, as he said in verse 4, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world. And then in verse 7, he, he says that we add to godliness brotherly kindness or brotherly love. In other words, as we become more like God, we begin to view others through the eyes of God. And that causes us to love our brothers and sisters like God loves them. No wonder Jesus said, all men will know that, you, that we are His disciples by the fact that we love one another. And then He says to brotherly kindness, we add the crowning virtue of all, agape love. Now this type of love is not a sentiment or a shallow feeling. It is certainly not an acceptance of sin and evil or a mushy pushover attitude toward wrong. Rather, it is a godlike love. And that is the underpinning. That is the supreme characteristic of those who are like Him. The great Shema, the great overarching commandment of the law to God's people was what? To love God with all that we are and all that we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what He told Israel. And this type of love is the perfection of the work of the gospel in our hearts and in our lives. It is the summit of Christian growth and behavior when all that we are and all that we do is born out of a God-like love. So you see, living the Christian life is one step at a time. Don't become overwhelmed. Friend, you can live the Christian life one step at a time, one day at a time. But it begins with simple faith and acting upon that simple faith in simple gospel obedience, and then yielding and letting the sanctifying Word of God go to work in our heart and life and shape us day by day into the image of Jesus and of God Himself. Though the way of sin I one time did embrace, all its pleasures changed, and my life did waste. Jesus died for
Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos including Let the Bible Speak classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on subscribe. Connect with us on social media. Go to Facebook.com and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. Maybe you have fallen along the way. Maybe you're discouraged. You know, you can begin again today. You can approach the Christian life with a simple faith and trust in Jesus to lead you and to help you and to guide you through His Word. And if you will take it one step at a time and follow this path that the Apostle Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, lays out, you will know what it means to grow and succeed in being faithful to Jesus and living a Christian life. If you've never obeyed the gospel, that's where you need to begin today. You need to begin by becoming a Christian, by submitting yourself to the commands of Jesus Christ. If you believe what He says in His Word and you believe He is who He claims to be and are ready to put your trust and faith in Him, you need to turn away from your sins and repentance. You need to confess that He is the Christ of God and you need to be baptized in water immediately for the remission of your sins. And if we can assist you in doing that, we'd love to hear from you today. If you'd like a copy of our lesson, we'd be glad to send you a free printed transcript as always. The title of the lesson today is One Step at a Time. Get in touch with us and we'll send that to you as quickly as we can. And we hope to hear from you today. Be sure to encourage others to watch our broadcast and also reach out to us online, ltbstv.org. And we're on social media, so be sure to like and follow and subscribe to our various social media platforms. Thanks for joining us today. I hope to see you, meet you back here again next time, if God is willing. Until then, pray you have a great week ahead, and may God richly bless you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.